This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 64, Beryl Komar on Emotional Intelligence. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. All right, welcome back. It's Jason Lynette here with another fantastic session for you. This one's featuring Beryl Komar. And the reason I reached out to Beryl, she's someone who I've known for quite some time now uh, at various conventions, which as a side note, that's the cool thing about going to all these various conventions. You know, going to whether it's HypnoThoughts Live, whether it's the National Guild of Hypnotists Convention, other events as well. I've been to Mid-America Hypnosis Conference. Uh, I've yet to go to the IMDHA convention just because of uh, timing and my schedules, though definitely hope to attend one day. The cool thing about going to these events is that it becomes a bit of a sampler. It becomes the opportunity to interact with people that you normally would not interact with. Yes, chances are all of us are best friends on Facebook already, as I like to say, though the opportunity to actually get that FaceTime, to actually meet with people. And in many ways, that's how most of the connections, most of these podcast sessions that you've been listening to, that's how these bridges are formed, of just going up to people and interacting. You know, I'd share the story that dates back to session number three that featured Michael Elner. I was a regular over on HypnoThoughts Live, and I was seeing Michael post, And it's an example where I was thinking, I've got to meet this guy. And then sure enough, he pops up on HypnoThoughts that his hotel room got canceled. And ever since then, he and I have roomed together at HypnoThoughts Live. So I I tell you that story because not to say that you can eventually end up becoming roommates with your heroes in hypnosis. No, that's a rare one. But really, it's that statement that some of the most successful people in this profession are really an open book. You can interact with them. You can meet with them. And I would share that the uh, knocking on wood here, I've yet to have someone turn me down in terms of doing this program because it's the opportunity to interact with a brand new audience. It's the opportunity to share your message, share your voice, and really begin to identify with other hypnotists. You know, it's that statement that so often, the, the biggest issue that I see hypnotists run into is that they learn all this great information and they don't yet know where to jump in. And going to these conventions, interacting with training materials, this is where that information very often comes from. It's the, it's the training voice that I share inside of my live courses, inside of hypnotic workers, And it's why I'm also such a big proponent of things like virtual gastric band. We just just this week did an encore webinar presentation of my Create Awesome Weight Loss Success program, which is all about sharing specific weight loss strategies to help with your clients. And uh, I'd encourage you, the great thing about things like virtual gastric band, whether you end up doing that specific system or not, is it gives you a model. It gives you something to base your work off of. And if you're not familiar with that, head over to learnvirtualgastricband.com. 
www.sheelagranger.com to learn all about that specific program, originally pioneered by Sheila Granger, taught as well by me, and it's an online digital access training, and since I'm referencing it here in the intro, type in, we'll make this work, type in the words, work smart, all one word, all caps, as you're interested in that program, that's going to knock off 10%, well over 75 bucks. So head over there to uh, learnvirtualgastricband.com, type in for the promo code WORKSMART, all one word, all caps, that's going to knock off 10%. It's going to give you a proven model to start seeing clients with right away. And the thing that's unique about my training of that is I also show you how to modify the system to make it work with your stop smoking clients, with your fear release clients. Everything is contextual in nature. It's not just about the individual content. So the biggest flaw in hypnosis, in my opinion, is labeling things as that's a pain relief strategy. That's a weight loss technique. That's a stop smoking strategy. No people, everything is about change. Which brings us full circle to this session here with Beryl Komar. And specifically why I reached out to Beryl is she's somebody who has taken so much of hypnosis, so much of NLP, and is now introducing it to a brand new audience. The rebranding using very, very modern terms of emotional intelligence. In this conversation, you're going to hear Beryl talk about how she's taken hypnosis, NLP, EFT, all these fantastic modalities, and brought it to a much bigger, if not corporate audience through the rebranding of emotional intelligence, as well as intrapersonal intelligence, as well as interpersonal intelligence. And if you don't know the difference, you got to listen to this. She's got an outstanding pre-convention offering that's going to be happening at the NGH convention this year in August 2016. For the details on that, head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. You'll also be able to learn about her book, all about hypnodontics taking hypnosis into dentistry practices and offering our services to dentists all over the world. So let's jump right in. This is session number 64, Beryl Komar on emotional intelligence. So uh, just kind of start us off. What was it originally that drew you to hypnosis or got you involved in hypnosis? Well, it was when I was in teacher training back in the 19, late 1960s. I was always interested. In those days, there was this idea that the last thing you heard at night was on your brain all day and you'd be able to learn it <laughs> and know it for the exams and things like that. So I was very interested in that sort of idea. Um, for memory, really, brain power that way, we had a stage hypnotist came to do a, a demonstration but it wasn't like you think of stage shows now he was really showing the power of the brain and doing some suggestibility tests and how we can remember things and it, it was it was pretty good and that's 1969 so I thought that was pretty cool but no there wasn't the internet to search those things in those days to find out where you could learn so I went to Africa it was my my, my big dream to teach in Africa I went on VSO, Voluntary Service Overseas, which is like your Peace Corps. And I was in an area, Arusha and Gorongoro, where the Maasai tribe are. And they used to put themselves into trance and they could just, they sort of did this little jump. 
<laughs> I wish I was on. I, you could see me and where they go, <laughs> um, um, um. And they sort of just jump and this. And then they just go into this rhythm, a hum, a hum, a hum, a hum. Two, three of them together. And they just like float across the savannah. And there'd be lions and giraffes and things there. And we're in the safety of our car, you know. And the, and the kids would do it. They would come 10 kilometers to school, some of them, with no shoes on their feet. And again, I, I'm like, oh, this is the mind that does this. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they used to do this circle dance where they go into, into trance, jumping up and down, higher and higher. And then they go into trance and, and into fits and frothing at the mouth. So I used to love watching that. And then they, they talked about how it was a healing process and all this. But there's nothing to read on this sort of thing. I'm in Africa, so all I can do is watch and listen. And then some American teachers came through for a couple of months and did transcendental meditation. So I said, okay, I'd love to, like, I'd like to, t- to learn that. And that was my first experience of meditation, and it really helped it me in so many ways to be much calmer to think about things more clearly so i was doing i've been doing transcendental meditation for over 40 years now went off to to dubai after four years in tanzania and there was a stage hypnotist who used to come and do the stage shows which i hooked up although i was headmistress of a school i had this double life whereas i was the cool headmistress during the day and the stage Hypnotist Moll at night. (laughs) 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 That's me, very diverse. (laughs) Yeah, if there was no other subjects around that you could work on, I'd be the one with my feet on one chair, my neck on another chair, nothing underneath me, two people sitting on top of me. I mean, things you wouldn't allow on stage now for health and safety concerns, but, you know, eating lemons and flamenco dancing and the whole thing. I stayed with him far too long, but it was only because I was learning hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those thoughts of, yeah, I'll put up with this while I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't there permanently. He right. In out, you know, but, so I didn't have to st- stick with him for too long. I won't give you his name. <laughs> He's probably long dead now. So I got into the hypnosis side and did a little sort of playing around with quit smoking and stuff like I was just playing I've never been on course I just learned from the stage hypnotist did some glove anesthesia and then I did I needed a year off it was I, I wanted to decide did I want to go back to Europe or stay overseas so I did a master's in applied linguistics at Reading University and during that the research there I, I, I came upon NLP and I started studying NLP. They wouldn't let me do uh, my dissertation on NLP. They said, it's, this is 1984, there was only one book on NLP, hmm. From Frogs to Princes. Yeah. And more people say to me, you can't do that. Well, that's like red rag to a bull. I have to know more. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I do that? <laughs> and I was hooked then and uh, started the whole research into NLP, hypnosis more, get it, finding out everything I could. I went on NLP courses, neurosemantic courses, putting hypnosis in there, weekends seeing people. I was now working at the university as a head of the communications department and teacher training department at the university, but 
getting a name for working with people at weekends. I was the only one in the whole Middle East. And then the internet sort of came along in the 1990s. And no, I think it was even before the internet. Yeah, because I was corresponding by letter and things with Jerry. I found Jerry, thanks to Will Horton, and went on Jerry's courses way back in the 1990s. And that was it then. I threw in my job at the university. And I remember my mum saying, oh, you know, what are you doing that for? It's a safe job. And, you know, anybody can be a hypnotist. I said, yeah, they can, mum, but anybody can be a nine to fiver at the university and all that stress. Just tell people I'm the best hypnotist in the Middle East because I already am. I'm the only one. (laughs) (laughs) So that was it, really. Um, Never stopped learning since. Excellent. Excellent. So then along that journey, uh, I'm curious, I've taken a couple of notes here, just the things to jump around on. Uh, First of all, uh, where am I where am I calling you at today? Oh, I'm in Spain. It's a rough life, I know. And now you're usually based out of Dubai, correct? Honey, there's no usual. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had my um I had my business and of course I don't come from a business family at all. It was that was a big learning curve in Dubai. I was the first well being company, well being and coaching company in the Middle East. But I sold that to two of my students two years ago so that I could do a lot more travelling have to be there to fill in the forms and the bureaucracy of having a business so two of my hypnosis nlp students bought that two years ago i'm still there sort of renting space from them like they used to from me and this means i then go more to the conferences the conventions i can do my trainings wherever and i could specialize in what had become Two things that have become a passion, which is hypnodontics and emotional intelligence. Excellent. So then as you travel, as you're let's let's kind of approach this from both sides of this as a practitioner versus as a trainer. What would you say have been some of the takeaways of things that have happened over the years, things in terms of does your approach in terms of let's start with working with clients? uh, How how does that vary for you based on where you're located? Is there, well, here, is, is there an inter- international through line to that, or are there major considerations that you have to bring to your work? Well, in Dubai, it's, it's an expatriate, com- very much an expatriate communica- community, and I have to work a lot with people who are working their second language. So English is their second language, not their first. So because I'm talking to the subconscious mind, often – they break into their first language whilst they're in hypnosis. So I have, and I, same with past life. If that ever happens to you, you just say, speak to me in a language I'll understand. Mm-hmm. And then they, they can switch. But Yeah, I'd share the quick story that my very first age regression session for pay, so very first session with a paying client, we do the regression and suddenly I've got this woman speaking in German in my yeah. office which is the moment of, oh, this wasn't covered in training, followed by the simple moment, as I pick up this hand and drop it, you can now speak as if you knew English then. And that worked, followed by the sudden rush of fear and anxiety of, oh, wait a minute, what if that didn't work? Luckily it did. (laughs) Well, I suppose that's the takeaway is trust your intuition. If, 
if you're relaxed and in, in, in hypnosis, as it were, while you're hypnotizing people, you, the answers just come and you find yourself saying things where you later you think, where did that come from? Or it'll be the thing where the, the client says, oh, it was when you said such and such that all the lights went on. Mm. And you think, oh, yeah, that's, I wonder where that came from. Yeah. Because it wasn't planned. Although I think that story is the origin of a phrase that I now lean upon for all things, which is, oh, yeah, when all else fails, apply suggestion. Oh, yeah, hypnosis works for that. We can just apply that here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, it's usually questions because I work very much idiomotor responses or working with the client when they're speaking back. I don't use scripts at mm -hmm. all. I don't know how people do to tell you the truth. I mean, because you don't know what they're coming in for and they say something on the phone but yeah you don't have all the details and, and they come in and, and it's something else actually that they need to work on so if you've got a script or planned it and spent hours now you've got to what you're going to do I, I don't know how people work with scripts unless they're only saying the same thing like um, I met a young girl here who's learning hypnosis online would you believe in Spain from UK, and she says, oh, I'm going to do slimming because they, they, I put them in for their six sessions and then I read the scripts to them. And I don't, to me, that's not hypnosis. Well, it's hypnosis, it's not hypnotherapy mm -hmm. because I trained Elman. Well, I've trained in many different people and ways, but putting together NLP and Elman to me is, it works. Yes. It works so well. And the benefit um, of that as a trainer with new students, I found, is that by beginning with something of that nature is it drives the students to a mindset where they're working now with intention rather than by accident, rather than these words just happen to have worked. It's, it's driving them to then pick up other materials, and then it prepares the students so that if they do wish to pick up the script book, they could find something in there, and yet by reading it over once, granted I'd recommend outside of the session, they're now recognizing the aspects of the techniques. This is what this segment is achieving. This is what that segment is achieving. And then perhaps to become recognizable chunks rather than a full-blown script, the, the main intention, though, is it's training the student to think about their process rather than just do the process. Rather than just run it by the numbers, they're actually engaging with that client in that moment. Yeah, yeah, engaging. The, the, I, I always say the, the, the client is the script. Yes. Because they give you... They're going to come they, and they're going to bring everything to it. They give you whatever it is. They have the answers. So somebody wrote a script, but they wrote it for a million people around the world <laughs> or one person they were working at that time. And it doesn't mean it's it's what your person needs. They know. They know what they need. I mean, that's why I like doing ultra height, Simpson protocol, that sort of thing as well. Once they know how to go into hypnosis well and they try, they're starting to trust the subconscious mind, they're wonderful because the client does do all the work. Yes. To me, these are the things that should be taught in schools. It's why I got out of full-time education. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, you've one of the reasons that I reached out to you to, to have you on the program here is that what I'm fascinated by chatting with you is how you've taken hypnosis 
into some markets, into some locations that are perhaps part of the hypnosis history, such as hypnodontics, but then also let's then eventually come back to the training that you do with NLP, which is in many ways taking it to, well, we'll get there in a moment. What was it about hypnodontics that first drew you to that as a passion? Again, when people <laughs> say that can't be done, of mm. course, I have to go do it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my husband was a, he, he died six years ago. He was a doctor. And so I was always mingling in with doctors and dentists and people like that, cocktail parties or whatever. And I realized that the, I did get a lot of referrals from doctors, but I wasn't getting them from the dentists. So I thought that's going to be the nut to crack. <laughs> And I had met a dentist at a, a do, and uh, he was talking about a, a, a client in her 60s, which seemed very old to me at the time. Bear in mind that I'm in my 60s now. And uh, he, she was having a problem gagging and throwing up, putting these false teeth in that he'd made for her. And uh, she wasn't eating. She was losing weight because she didn't have teeth to <laughs> eat with. And uh, he was very worried about her and what he could do with her. So I said, I'd see her. And two sessions, and she was putting her teeth in. She was not gagging. She was eating. She was fine. And that was sexual abuse issues as a child. And that is something close to my heart as I was abused as a child. So I started reading up about gagging and um, found out that actually it's quite common gagging as a result of sexual abuse as a child, Think, things being forced into your mouth that shouldn't really be put in anybody's mouth, really, and and also the fear of saying something about this and being told that you've got to keep the secret, so you're sort of gagging on your words that you want to say. And once you get them out, it's fine. So this this was then something close to my heart, working with sexual abuse things. And he was so pleased, he started telling everybody else. And soon I get lots of dentists there. I decided to use my self-hypnosis when I had my root canal. So my dentist was very impressed with that. She tells everybody. And before I know it, I've just got all these people coming referred to by dentists. And then... Looking in the literature, there was just nothing on hypnodontics. Jerry had a, a DVD on it. I talked to him about writing a book on hypnodontics. What did he think? He said, great. This is Jerry Kine, by the way, yes. on hypnosis. So I did. I sent it to him. He thought it was great. Gave me permission to use some of his stuff that I'd used. I took spoke to the Elmans because uh, I was using some Elmans stuff. They said, that's okay, go ahead and use some of the Elmans stuff and um, decided to, <laughs> to publish. That was my sort of catharsis from after my husband died. I would could just go home in the evenings and write. It got me through a, a difficult stage, but it was just something I knew about anyway. And it got me reaching out to some other people to write the case studies. I wanted to include other people from around the world in the book uh, so it would help them to spread the news. And uh, now we're setting up hypnodonticsworld.com and setting up a register for people who do hypnodontics. And I really want to, to get dentists involved like Elman did. Elman 
worked a lot with dentists. I don't know what more I can say about yeah, you'd that. Yeah, be, you'd be proud of the moment, though, uh, and I still have not yet connected with this dentist, but there's apparently services out there that you're heading into your dentist and there's a sort of like a substitute school teacher type format. There are substitute dental hygienists that if the hygienist is not able to come in, there's a service they could have someone come in as a single day. And the same is true even of the dentist, just to add in supplemental uh, effort. And it's not the standard dentist that I go to just because he's so far out of the area, though it's the moment that as I'm sitting there, he's looking at my forms, and it's this one time he was at my previous office, he looks at everything and he goes, oh, hypnotist, Elmanian or Ericksonian? Wow. And it's the moment of just have to go, oh, we need to have lunch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and had a good conversation that day, though haven't yet, uh, he, was, he was in from about an hour and a half up the road for that, uh, for that single day. Though it's it's fascinating that, and, and it's unfortunate too that you hear from some of the even some of the hypnosis population that doctors are not willing to refer. Though in many ways I think it's not necessarily true, and more specifically, it's an issue of we are not doing as good of a job yet to communicate as a whole profession what role that we can actually serve, what role we can actually go in. So for that person who perhaps wants to bridge that gap and introduce some of these ideas to their dentist, even the one that they're actually seeing, what, what recommendation would you give that hypnotist? If you want to break into the dentist's world, get to know their jargon. They, just like we have our jargon in hypnosis, they have theirs so that you can speak their language. You know, know, the, know what a root canal is, yes. <laughs> know what milk teeth are, know what gum diseases are. See the more and more the literature that's coming out about how gum health is actually so important to gut health. You know, nowadays people complain of their IBS, their gluten freeze or whatever, but it's often inflammation in the gums and, and more and more information about inflammation and health and how inflammation in our lives shortens our life <laughs> inflammation in the gums in the teeth and all that area of course you're swallowing poison consistently if you don't have good dental health so the dentists and the doctors are starting to talk about this but the the ladies that go on their slimming diets and they're gluten-free and they're this this and this other they don't know that so i think the way to get to the doctors will be through the dentists so if you had to if you had to label one specific category to become aware of and one specific place that the hypnotist can serve that benefit, what would that be? Talk to, they're, they're very open. Mm -hmm. They're concerned about drugs. They're concerned about anesthesia. What, the same things that we are. They, they see the bigger picture. I'm not saying doctors don't. They do. I mean, my husband did. <laughs> but first of all, get to know, understand some of their language. That's why I have a introduction to that sort of language in my book so that you start to understand then go and talk to them and talk to them about their stress you see just like we're getting a lot of hypnotists in the world now and there's a lot of competition they have huge competition they're turning out all these dentists every street corner has a dentist on these days so they've got the stress of competition the stress of new equipment constant learning the young guys coming in with better eyes because they're working in a very small space. There's a lot of stress. They have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. 
Did you know that? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So I would say go and offer them some stress management. When they see how good you are, they will then send clients to you. So let's then transition over and you tell me, I think I've actually asked you this next question previously before, just in a, in a Facebook chat. I'm curious if there is information to share. I'm, I'm fascinated by the NLP training that you've done for actual either police or military personnel. What am I quoting here? Yeah, I, Dubai police. Yes. Yes. Tell, tell, I, tell us more about that. That's fascinating. Well, that's the, the, the ruler, Sheikh Mohammed. He was a young man, the same age as me. In fact, I'm just, he once told me I'm two months older than him. So I must listen to him. So he must listen to me. Because <laughs> it's, it's respectful in the Middle East to listen to people who are older than you. And he's very uh, forward thinking. He wants to know of all technologies, whether it's technology of the clumsy thumbsy or the technology of the brain that can help. He he knew that, that I I know a lot about NLP. Well, I was the first NLP in the Middle East, and I was the first to introduce the concept of emotional intelligence. And he's been building up to creating the country that will be in the top five of the happiness quota. Have you heard of the? I have. Yes. Project. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to have a happy country, you've got to have a happy police force. You've got to have a police force that doesn't just pin you down to the ground all the time and accuse you of things that helps you and educates you, you know. So part of this is whenever I ask the police, what's your job? Oh, our job is to educate people. Our job is to help people. You know, their job is not to arrest people or accuse people. That's generally what they think. And that's part of what we're setting up there, that to have an emotionally intelligent workforce. But emotional intelligence is a theory. It's come out of Harvard and Yale, and that's where I studied at Yale. The how-to, as far as I can see, because they're looking for techniques, is NLP. Uh, to some extent, EFT. I was working with a lady on emotional intelligence today, and we chose EFT as our as our mode for doing that. And just to, pause, have, for, just to pause for a moment, could you give us just a general uh, definition of what we mean by emotional intelligence? Okay. Well, most people seem to know what IQ is. Yes. Our IQ is tested in an IQ test. Okay. And that uses two of your intelligences, your mathematical intelligence and your linguistic intelligence. You know, so you get things like a square plus a triangle is the same as a circle plus a, and then go make a choice. Okay. Those are IQ tests. And what's the past tense of go and things like that. But we actually have nine intelligences. We've, we've known this since the 60s. I studied this, Professor Gardner's work. And two of those intelligences are our intrapersonal intelligence and our interpersonal intelligence. Our intrapersonal intelligence is our self-awareness and our self-management. Our interpersonal, I guess that's what we're doing now, relating to one another, is our social awareness and our social and relationship management. So there are, can you imagine those four quadrants? Yes. You know, a lot of people now in customer service and in relationships and Cosmopolitan magazine or whatever, G for men or whatever, they all talk about relationship management, relationship management. 
and they focus on that. But you cannot have that unless you have the other three. Relationship management is the sort of last part of this quadrant that makes up emotional intelligence. Now, to me, what we have in NLP, EFT and hypnosis are the tools for self-awareness. Isn't that what we're doing when we're doing hypnosis and asking people to go to a higher self, get messages about themselves, to, to look at their past and the things that have happened to them that created the habits of today, etc.? So we have the tools for self-awareness. We have then the tools for self-management. And we have, with, with those, you can then become more socially aware. More socially aware means things like reading reading eyes, like in NLP, yeah? Yeah. Becoming empathetic and putting ourselves in other people's shoes, observation, the presuppositions of NLP. And then once we have all this, relationship management will come easy. But so many people think of relationship management as, oh, I've got to text my boyfriend five times every day, and why is he not answering? And it's more about control than management. So in many ways, it's taking, which this is becoming one, of, or it has been and is becoming an even bigger buzzword in terms of even the corporate world or even just the professional world. Though in many ways, you're taking a lot of our skills as the hypnotist and bringing them into this context of how we can actually serve as a gap between these two concepts yes yeah yes and then you you become the emotional intelligence coach the ei coach because they know they want em emotionally intelligent employees they want emotionally intelligent managers and middle managers but they don't know how to get there which of all things to reference there's a lot of work that i've done over the years with high schools and for a while, and admittedly, I can share that I was getting a little frustrated with this concept that the, the buzzword they were searching for was character building, which yes. from my perspective, character building was how do we water down all the messages that we're supposed to be delivering in one specific message, though this category of emotional intelligence is one that better satisfies what their goals were rather than character building, just be a good person and being this sort of bland statement that's coming out there. Instead, let's begin with the individual and their ability to sympathize, their ability to empathize, their ability to navigate that world around them in terms of their own emotions and take better control of their own state, which is exactly what we talk about with NLP. Exactly. Yeah. Ex so you were telling a story previously about a client earlier today? Oh, yes, um, a client I've been working with here, and we chose EFT to work on the issues that she was working on. I've been working with her two weeks. This is her third session. Uh, she had Crohn's disease, and it's more or less gone. She never had a, a day or an hour without pain, but with some hypnosis, some NLP, a lot of EI coaching, it's, it's gone. She's totally in control. I just leaving her today with lots more techniques, some spinning, some different the, the work of the different fingers that she can rub. She's totally in control of state, changing the words. I I get dentists to change their words a yes. lot. The the police as well. There's certain words that will spark anger or fear in people. Instead of saying the drill, you say the handpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of pain, you say comfort or discomfort and just changing the words that she uses to herself she's it's just amazing and 
her skeptical husband even has noticed changes in her people that she works with. She's now back to work where she she couldn't work because she was forever running to the toilet. She's she doesn't love her stoma. She had a stoma twenty years ago, but she accepts it now. Well, I wouldn't be surprised by in six weeks' time when I get back, she'll she'll she hasn't undressed in front of her husband since she had a stoma put in. So that's the next thing to work on for her. Yeah, yeah. So you have a it's a two day post conference workshop that you're gonna be training on emotional intelligence for the hypnotist in terms of skills that's gonna be after the NGH convention, right? Yes, that's to certify to be an EI coach. I've done it a couple of times. I, I actually did the first one 10 years ago, 2006, mm-hmm. and great feedback from the people that did it. But most people just didn't get it. They didn't understand what I was doing. Maybe, as usual, Beryl, she's been far, far too ahead and out there. <laughs> now people are getting a bit more. But Alison has always understood it. He comes from an educational background and the importance of emotional intelligence. And I'm hoping we'll get quite a crowd this year. It will be certified. It is certified by the National Guild. We'll certify it from Dubai as well, if they want that. We'll be covering. I'll be giving them a USB port with all the material. I don't give them a paper copy, but that will have PowerPoint, so they could go straight out the next week and with the PowerPoint teach a class. I'll make an introductory talk on emotional intelligence. So how do you see this as a market fitting in with the modern-day hypnotist? Well, I, I see that they could do as I do on my business card. It says emotional intelligence development specialist. They could put emotional intelligence coach. And then using the certain, t- you know, and underneath that are the tools to get emotional intelligence. And I think this will, well, I know it does for me open far more doors describing myself that way than describe yourself as a hypnotist. Because if you're giving your elevator speech, you know, and I have been stuck in an elevator once actually with five Arab guys. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend said she's a hypnotist and they all backed off. <laughs> <laughs> Gave you some space, I'll but. <laughs> put you all to sleep if you like, <laughs> until we get rescued. But that was the days long ago before I, started saying emotional intelligence development specialist, because as soon as you say that, people say, oh, I've never met one of those before. And they actually move forward into you because they want more information. But if you say hypnotist, oh, now they've got a thought in their hand. They've got a belief system. You have to eradicate, eliminate. Something about that other title drives them to have to ask you questions to learn more about it. Yeah, but I'm an emotional intelligence development coach or an emotional development, emotional intelligence development specialist. Oh, what's that? Oh, that sounds interesting. I've never met one of those. What do you do? So it's a totally open mind, cabula rasa. And it's, it's so easy to then talk about the tools that you use. So is, is, there, could, is there a story that stands out of a time that you've done such a presentation, let's say, for a, a business or even a government organization in terms of the feedback based on what they've learned from you? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say which car, but think of a, a, a sort of VIP kind of car that every Arab would drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm wanting to crack a horrible joke here. And it rhymes with Mercedes, but we're not. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So they uh, they were having problems because these particular cars, you don't even have to sell them. You don't have to advertise them. They just walk out the showroom by themselves. Okay, but they're getting more and more technical. This was many years ago when, you know, there was a button for this and a button for that and everything. And and, then. you know, you didn't have to wind up your windows and uh, it just things were leaping out at you in these cars. So this, the salesmen were like on um, commission. So, oh, sold another one, sold another one. And then do this, do this, pu- push this, push it. If you have any problems, go and see service department. If you have any problems, see service department. Now, service department are getting all these people coming in. I don't know how this works. I don't know. how. how do, where is my cigarette lighter or where is my this? I can't find that because everything, it's not like it are anymore. All right? Yeah. So there was a big clash between service department who want to service cars and they can't get on with their job is servicing because they're educating customers. And there was, you know, the, not fights breaking out, but a lot of alliances and groups forming, etc. So I went in and did some emotional intelligence training with them in groups, calming them down, listening to the other person's people's point of view. How do you think other people feel going through those four quadrants? And they were delighted with that. And it was, um, a good two months work because it was a huge company so it was a good gig yeah yeah <laughs> because I was going in the mornings to do that which are quiet for hypnotists I don't know about you but my mornings are always quiet and then my clients come after the school day or after the work day so I was really really busy what about in terms of their feedback of once they've incorporated some of these skills feedback we we have more inclusiveness in the team, more sensitivity to one another. We listen before we assume. We feel that when, because we've got these cross teams, not just the service team or the sales team. We, we have different teams. We, we, we're developing. So the sales are learning about service. Service are learning about sales. The service people were much more introvert and salespeople much more extrovert. But by putting them into these problem-solving networking teams, they were adapting their characters and the introverts, the the service people were becoming more assertive, able to say things rather than mumble away as they're underneath a car with a spanner. (laughs) (laughs) So therefore more empathy and empathy and consequential thinking are the highest forms of emotional intelligence. So now they were, con- they were applying consequential thinking in the sales team because they were in another team with the service people and the consequences of their action if they don't teach the customer this or if they don't do this or they do do something else. So a lot more empathy, consequential thinking, and it actually got to the point where, where the boss said, I don't know, Beryl, they're so well-educated now. I think I'm going to have to pay them more <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to lose them to the, the, um, the B, from the 18 to the B, the B, you know, the other, the other um, European country, the other same European country, the B team. So the B team were taking from the uh, other team. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that being said, the whole topic of emotional intelligence is something that even I've had two clients in the last month come in and reference in terms of trainings that were going on at their workplace. So I can definitely see that scenario where they're suddenly now more desirable uh, and to have that link back to you and your service. That's outstanding. But I, you see, I think that the hypnotists in a way have have lost the jump now. If, if I wish the National Guild and everybody had really jumped on this 10 years ago when I first started teaching emotional intelligence, because we could have been the, we could, this is how we could have got hypnosis and NLP on the map even more by jumping onto that bandwagon of emotional intelligence, which is so well thought of by Yale and Princeton and Harvard, etc. We missed the boat in many respects. Though it's still developing, yeah. and I think that opportunity is definitely still there. And it's still there, but I think we had a, a, an opportunity to get in there really big mm -hmm. earlier on. So more so it's that we're, we're catching up with this theme as opposed to pioneering this theme. Yeah, well, a lot of people now, what they're doing actually is just taking their old interpersonal skills courses and calling them emotional intelligence, but they're not. You see, I think we guys really understand what emotion is, as opposed to the corporate trainers who've, who've, who jumped on this and took it and flew with it. Well, I'll do this. Because I'll put uh, yeah, I'll put uh, links to the upcoming training as well as your book over in the show notes over at Work Smart Hypnosis. But Beryl, this has been great having you on here. Okay. Yeah, it's We're a huge subject. I could talk all day on, and I love it. <laughs> well, you've got two days to talk on at least coming up in August. Well, I don't talk when I'm training. I get everybody else to do the work. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. When I'm with the client, the client does all the work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, they're the one who's got to find their way through it. I think I think that's one of those common yeah. phrases that we as hypnotists need to talk a little bit less and listen a bit more. Yeah, and if at any time you want me to come to Virginia and teach some emotional intelligence for those corporations out there in Virginia, I'm very happy to do so. Oh, the, too close to the government. We need that here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Where can yeah. Uh, where can people find you online? Online, I'm just setting up a new website, hypnodonticsworld.com. Outstanding. Well, great. It's been great having you on here. I'll see you in August. And you, Jason. See you soon. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Hey there, Jason Lynette, and one last quick nod back to the Virtual Gastric Band program that I mentioned inside of the introduction. Head over to LearnVirtualGastricBand.com to learn all about that specific offering to get a workshopped, tested for you, proven system, which you can use as is, or you can model to make your hypnosis process so much more effective. So whether you're brand new to hypnosis and looking for a place to start, or whether you're already working as a hypnotist and looking to punch up your success, or my favorite category, maybe you're a stage hypnotist and you want to have some income streams in your local market rather than having to rely on travel. Head over to learnvirtualgastricband.com, check out all the incredible bonuses, and in the checkout process, whether you're doing the single plan payment, whether you're doing the payment plan, make sure you type in work smart, all one word, all caps, that's gonna knock off 10%. 
Get started today, get even greater results. It's Jason Lynette. I'll see you next time.